This is a, a special day. It is a special day because Jesus rose from the dead and we get to gather together to worship him. Yay! <laughs> I bet you guys thought I was going to say Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it is absolutely more significant that Jesus died on the cross than whoever wins today. You know, I, I, will, I will tell you that openly, honestly, he's worth more celebration than there'll be celebrations this e evening for whichever team uh, wins that. I did want to share with you, I, I, was, I received a, a text message earlier this week. Someone, I won't say who, sent this to me. Basically, and it came from KJIL Radio. It said, uh, you should be as excited about church as about the Super Bowl. So when your pastor makes a point this Sunday, pour Gatorade over his head. Okay. I, I just want to, if you did see that, uh, please don't do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, the person... Uh, who, who sent that is not here, I know, and we're, I just want to let them know, because I know they're watching, that we're praying for you, love you, love your family, and just definitely praying for yeah, just, just good things to be happening and good health, health coming your way. So we're praying that up. All right, I'm excited because we get to, after two months of uh, let's say Christmas and then focus, which I think was good, our, our focus on, on fasting and prayer, I've heard uh, a lot of you just encouraged by actually pursuing and, and giving your attention, your best attention to God in the past three weeks. So I, I hope you're encouraged with that. Matter of fact, I, I, I hope and pray that maybe there's some of those aspects that, that you fasted from, whether it was even technology or found more time to be silent before God or, or still before God or, or before his word and, and things like that, to where, man, you felt the strength of being able to, to take that time with him and get advantage because there is definitely an advantage when we turn our attentions toward God. And so the more we could do with that, the better. So if you've gained uh, some new habits or some new things that you're adding to your life, that's excellent. But we're going back to taking root uh, was our, our sermon series that's actually walking through this book of Acts. It's been a great journey. Uh, chapters 1 through 16 we covered, and, and now we're entering into chapter 17. Just, just as way of a quick review, if I could add that map up. Uh, Jim, if you could put that up, uh, we'll see if it comes up. Uh, there it is. Just quick review. Instead of going through all of Acts, uh, we entered into Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, in, in especially chapter sixteen. Let me let me just show you or and kind of remind you of some things over here. Whoops. Over, over here, Antioch was a significant city. Everything really started in Jerusalem, but Antioch was a significant city. And Jews and Gentiles were both, you know, all, all together united uh, in, in that one gospel message. Jesus' death, his resurrection, salvation provided. So it was, it was absolutely an exciting place. That's where kind of the ground base for, for Paul and his missionary, uh, the first missionary uh, ministry was left there, and now the second one also left from Antioch. He and Silas took this track up through Cilicia and, and Pamphylia, you know, visiting churches. We know that in, in Derbia and Lystra, 
those specific uh, cities that, that they found a young man named Timothy. Timothy joined them in the journeys. Uh, not a lot. They went through Pisidia and, and Galatia, these areas. Uh, and, and, and through the direction of the Holy Spirit, they went up towards, towards this territory, which is really Bithynia. And, and the Holy Spirit, don't go, so they didn't. <laughs> and, and then they ended up basically in Troas. There, so it was a quick journey from Antioch to Troas. In Troas, it's where Paul received a, a vision of a man in Macedonia, and it basically said, come help us. So the next day, they, they boarded a, a, a ship and, and made this trek over here and made it to the city of Philippi. Chapter 16 of Acts, just want to remind you, in that chapter 16, we witnessed the, the conversion of Lydia and her family. She was a merchant, seller of purple. And, and also we saw that, that Paul and Silas were thrown in prison because they healed a demon-possessed slave girl. She was telling fortunes and things like that. Guys were making money off of her. They were a little upset when the demon was cast out. Uh, because, oh man, their, their means or their, their moneymaker was gone. So she was cast into prison. I mean, they were cast into prison. And, and that night there was a miraculous shaking of the jail. The chains, the shackles that they were held to were broken off and, or, or they dropped. And, and when the Philippian jailer came, you know, he's about to commit suicide thinking everybody escaped, but they were there and and ended up, the end of the story was the Philippian jailer and his whole family came to believe in Jesus as well. So the spread of the gospel message, various stories and, and everything just continued to happen, happening through Paul and, and these missionary journeys. The, as, as, you know, they laid out that, that uh, as it was laid out to them, you know, this purpose of, you know, begin in Jerusalem, then, then go out throughout Judea, Samaria, and, and to the ends of the earth. They're making way, their way to the ends of the earth, uh, making Jesus known. After Philippi, here's where we're going today. After, after Philippi, up in this area of Macedonia, they now are going to make their way over to Thessalonica, and that's where we are today. You could take that down, Jim. There we are. We're caught up, right? Uh, I just encourage you, man, read through the book of Acts, Acts again, a couple months, uh, just to get, or, or even read chapter 17. I just encourage you to just keep, keep bringing that up. Uh, those who are traveling, of course, Paul and Silas and Timothy continues to be with them. And, and, and like I say, they're making their way to Thessalonica. And Thessalonica is a, a principal city of Macedonia. It, it is a major city. Where there are thousands in this city of Thessalonica. And it's said to be a suitable place uh, for evangelism. We probably see that more as, as the results of what happens in Thessalonica than, than as they approach and details we could find about historical facts about, Macedo, uh, about Thessalonica. In this chapter 17, it's not just Thessalonica, but we're also going to be looking at the city of Berea. We're reading both these stories as Paul and Silas and Timothy go into Thessalonica and then over to Berea. So let's read those together. Acts chapter 17, 1 through 13. I'm going to encourage you to open, open the Bibles. There's blue Bibles in front of you, or if you brought your Bible, or even your device, have it with you and keep that open. 
because I'm going to be referring back to that as, as we go through it this morning. In the meantime, 13 verses, here we go. Now, when they had passed through Amphip- Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on the three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the, of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul to Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. I want you to keep in mind as we read this passage and throughout uh, the rest of our time together, how people respond to the gospel. In in our passage, Thessalonica as well as Berea, Berea, People are responding to the gospel. Now, responses to the gospel could be anywhere from, leave me alone, I don't want to hear it, to tell me more about Jesus, to even, man, I want to follow after the Jesus that you speak of. That's the responses that we see throughout. And we're going to give our attention to that because everyone has the opportunity to respond to the gospel. Now, that's that's uh, pretty difficult. It would be nice if there were you know, like, like some kind of a button or something on someone's shirt that, that basically states where they are. Because, hey, we got this great responsibility to go outside these walls and let people know the, the message of Jesus Christ and that they have an opportunity to receive him as well, right? That's our great responsibility as a church. It's not one person's, you know, it's not the minister's. It's all of our responsibility to take that message out. So it would be nice if there was something on everybody's shirt that said, don't even bother, you know? And you say, okay, well, I know, okay, don't don't waste my time there. Or or someone says, please tell me. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be helpful. 
There's nothing like that. But to be able to identify, you know, where people are uh, is, is all, probably part of the problem. And it's not good for us ever to assume, oh, they don't want to know. Uh, yeah, everybody we run into, they don't want to know. They don't want to hear it. And but that's, that's a lot of times where we go to. And therefore, a lot of us, we just don't talk about Jesus. I. Uh, it was earlier this week, there's a group of uh, discipleship guys I very much enjoyed meeting with uh, on Monday morning. And, and as part of, of you know, kind of building a, a foundation of some of the, the very founda- the, the beginnings of, of, of what uh, we as Christians know and believe, uh, one of the lessons we were in was on uh, spreading the word or spreading the gospel, sharing their faith. And so part of that, Ty, who's been leading, Ty Zimmerman, who's been leading uh, this discipleship team, he shared something uh, about a traffic light to be a help for us in knowing, you know, kind of identifying who are those people that we could speak to. So there is a way to identify who can I speak to, who, who should I just leave alone. And, and from the traffic light, you know, there's red, yellow, and green. Uh, for those who would... Uh, and, and the best way to do this is just maybe think of a few simple questions to ask. For instance, well, do you believe in God? Or, or do you go to church? Do you believe in Jesus? Or what do you think about Jesus? And, and with the kinds of responses, you might be able to identify whether they're red, yellow, or green. Red would be, man, these people are closed to the gospel. They're close to the gospel. In our passage today, we're going to be able to identify people who are uh, close to the gospel. Uh, yellow. Yellow would be uh, those who are interested in spiritual things. You know, they'll talk about things about, uh, you know, uh, what, you know, they'll talk about Jesus. They'll talk about death. They'll talk about the significance of, of Jesus coming and, and different things, showing interest in those. And then, of course, there's green which means they're ready to put their faith in Christ. They're ready to hear the message. Tell, tell me more. Uh, we, again, we cannot assume everybody is red and, and, and continue to be silent. We're given this mission to go and share this news. So uh, I, I want us to go back over this passage and use our time to kind of identify you know, the different people uh, that, that are responding within this message. As Paul goes out to share this gospel message, First of all, there's those who are green. You know, they have the green light. Hey, let's go. Uh, there are some who are going to receive that message and believe in Jesus. They're going to receive that message and believe in Jesus. The converts that we see both in Thessalonica and, and Berea, there, there are people that, that in, I, I believe it's in verse, uh, verse 4, some were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. And then again in verse 11, uh, there are those who, who examined the scriptures and, and then they ended up believing there in verse 12. Many of them believed. There are those who came and, and believed in Jesus. What's interesting about this is, is Paul's strategy. I want you to notice Paul's strategy. It happens more in other cities. We've seen it before in the first missionary journey. But what Paul does when he enters into a city that's never heard about Jesus he goes into the synagogue. Well, what a great place where people are already spiritually minded and even mindful of, of the scriptures. 
So Paul went into the scripture, and, and matter of fact, we can even identify in the scriptures, why would Paul always go into the synagogue? Well, it, it was through Paul's own word, he said, you know, to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. So in, in, in part, we take that and say, well, of course, I'm going to go take it to the Jews in the synagogue, and then I'll go into the city for the, uh, for the Gentiles. But what we learned in the first missionary journey, Paul's strategy was brilliant. Because as, you went in, as he went in in Antioch, as he goes into Thessalonica and Berea as well, it's not just Jews in the synagogue. There, it, it, there are Jews in the synagogue, but there's also some God-fearing Gentiles. Those who are, are looking and, and believing in the God of Israel and the, of the Old Testament scriptures. There's interest, there are some who are already proselytes. That means they're disciples and they came in and they began to, to, to listen to the law and follow after it. Circumcision and all the, the festivals and things, they began to observe themselves. And there are those who are either maybe, maybe learning to follow and, and, and embrace that, and maybe some just curious and learning about that. So Paul had the opportunity to talk to Jews and Gentiles. And amongst the converts, we see that there are Jews amongst the converts, uh, devout Greeks, and also leading women, uh, Influential women both mentioned both in, in Thessalonica and in uh, Berea. Uh, that, that's kind of significant. I mean, the, the, the changing of a culture, uh, Roman culture, uh, what was not, not this thing of, of stifling women and, and things like that. There were women who were prominent that were part of these congregations, and Paul identifies these women. It's also Paul that says there's no longer any, any, any difference, you know, male or free. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> a slave or free, male or female, uh, Gentile or Jew. Jesus broke down all kinds of barriers. I think that was interesting. Anyway, so those who believe there was a transformation working in their lives, I think this is important for us to look at. To know that, okay, they receive, they believe in Jesus, but there's that transforming work in them as well. In that, I think it's, it, it's cool to go to 1 Thessalonians, a letter written some, sometime just after the time spent there in Thessalonica. In that letter, in the first chapter, Paul goes into that place of identifying what he's been hearing about these Thessalonian believers. I want to read part of it. He talked Earlier, he talked about the love that's been growing in them, the faith that's been steadfast. But in verse 6, here, here it is. And, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. As we read through that, you know, what happened after, after people started believing, converts were being made, and, and Paul continued to teach. It, it wasn't long before the Jews who were jealous uh, began to cause trouble. And so these Thessalonians, as it says, for you received the word in much affliction. There's troubles that followed along with this gospel. Verse 7. So that you became an example of all the believers, to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we, may, we, that we need not say anything. 
it, it wasn't just that they kept the message to themselves. It affected the whole city of Thessalonica. Matter of fact, the territories of Macedonia and Achaia. Everybody began to hear the, the message of, of this transformation or, or what had happened with these believers. Let me go ahead. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That transformation was taking place. That ought to be happening as people are coming to know Jesus. It's not something that we keep secret and keep hidden within these walls. When, when, when those who, who come to know Jesus leave these walls, the community ought to, ought to be coming to, to an understanding or a knowledge that there is Jesus. And, and, and so that, that's the community realm. And that was happening with the Thessalonians. That was happening with these believers in Thessalonica, and I believe also Berea as we, as we move on through there. There's also yellow. I want to move on. Green, you know, man, they're going to receive, and, and they're, going to, they're going to follow after Jesus. Yellow, there are going to be those who, who show interest in the message. They're going to have questions. Uh, the Bereans, especially, are, are, you want to look at this. But, but I want to notice in both Thessalonica, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but each time uh, Paul directed them to the Word of God. Again, went into the synagogue. They have scrolls there. And, and uh, previous times, Paul was asked, hey, would you come up and, and read some scripture and, and share some thoughts? And, and whether that happened this time or not, but Paul had the opportunity to open up the scriptures to the people, and especially in verses 2-3. Listen, listen carefully what he says here. What does he do? He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. He's setting the table. What, what was he proving? Uh, the last part of that says, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. He went into the synagogue simply to do this. I want to show you, I want to tell you and prove to you that Jesus is the Messiah. I want to prove to you that Jesus is the Messiah. That was significant. And when it says that he opened the scriptures, it wasn't the New Testament he was opening. It was that Old Testament scriptures. And, and, and with that, he, he took the prophecies of the Old Testament, and, and then along with their stories of Jesus, he, he showed them how, how those prophecies paralleled the very life of Jesus. In, in the Old Testament, there's, there's over 300 uh, prophecies that identify Jesus as being that Messiah that, that, that was promised to come. And so what... What verses possibly, it doesn't identify that, but I could see, you know, there, there's a couple of well-known passages before us that I could see Paul reading. Maybe it was like Psalm chapter 22. Psalm 22, 16 through 18. Could you imagine Paul reading this? For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Uh, a passage that was written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And it identifies the crucifixion. 
The fact that he, his hands were pierced, his feet were pierced as he was crucified upon the cross. And even in this passage, saying that there's going to be some soldiers kneeling at the cross and, and you know, casting lots or, or gambling for his piece of clothing. And it's all revealed hundreds of years before Jesus came. Isaiah 53, 5-7, I could see him reading this passage as well, where it says, But he was, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with, with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every eye, or every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The significance of the Savior, the Messiah, the one who's going to come and save us, is, is going to be in this world. And, and why was it so important to say that the Messiah that's promised had to come and suffer? Why? Because of our iniquities. Because of our sinfulness. Because of the absolute fact that because of our sinfulness, we are separated from God. God sent Jesus to bear our iniquities, to bear our sins uh, upon the cross. Paul had the opportunity to absolutely lay out for them the case that Jesus is that Messiah that they've been looking for. He is the answer uh, to, to this thing of our sinfulness, our brokenness, our separation. And he shared that uh, with the church. And there are those who came to believe in Jesus. Man, the resurrection is foundational to who we are. I, I would say if someone came to me and asked me why I believe, I said, I, because I serve a risen Savior. I believe in the resurrection. The Messiah who came and died upon the cross didn't just die and was laid in the ground. He rose from the dead. And he says, it says within the scriptures, Romans chapter 6, that if, he, if we're like him in his death, then the promise is we're going to be like him in his resurrection. And that life isn't something that we're just looking at. That life begins to work in us now. That's that transformation we saw within the Thessalonians, right? That's that transformation. That the work begins now. And that's, that's so exciting to see. There are those who are going to be asking questions. What's commendable about the Bereans? We get over to the Bereans and, and matter of fact it says now these Jews who were at Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. One, one person, the, the reason it says noble is because they were more open-minded. Hey, you're going to talk to us about scripture. We know scripture. We love scripture. Uh, you tell us. You kind of interpret for us. And then guess what they did? They took it home with them. They received uh, with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily. And, and, and they checked to see if what Paul said went along with the scriptures. What a great idea! <laughs> what a wonderful idea! Hey, I encourage you. Hey, whatever I'm talking about uh, when it comes to Thessalonica and Berea in the scriptures, go home and read it again. Is, is what Ronnie is saying today, according to the scriptures, it, does it align, is it correct? And if it's not, let's work on that man, you know? Let's, let's talk to him, let's, let's correct him, you know? Uh, that idea that, that 
We have a responsibility that as, as we hear those, man, there's preachers. I, I know that a lot of people share with me who they listen to from the radio or YouTube, and there's some great preaching out there, and there's some guys that are really dangerous, very dangerous. Please don't listen to anybody without opening your scriptures and consider what they're talking about. If they're not using scriptures and they have a message, there's a problem. <laughs> I have nothing to say except for the scriptures. I, I, I don't know what to say if I don't have the scriptures before me. I want you to be encouraged by the fact that what you have in your hands, what you have access to, for you to, to be eager as well to open the scriptures and to look, look for yourself and, and, and to see the very foundation for which we stand upon. Matter of fact, I, I think about that, that we are called to be ready and, and ready to give a defense for why we believe. Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. How do you respond to someone when they say, Okay, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you believe in Jesus? What kind of foundation are you standing on? I, I do believe that we're given a foundation, a, a firm foundation. I'm excited because I am confident in what we're given in Jesus. Well, what's, what's my reason for being confident? You know, I can say, well, I, I believe the word to be true. And then the question might, they'll start throwing, you know, hey, questions towards that foundation. They're checking your foundation. Do you know and understand why we could have such great confidence in this book? We've, we've gone through this before, but man, the, the significance of how God, through all these men, inspired and, and, and wrote out the Word of God. It's books of history, things that happened throughout. And I could go back and, and, and read about that story of Jesus, what he did and how he acted. And, and I believe it's all true. And I believe when it speaks of the resurrection that there are eyewitnesses, those who wanted to see and those who, who denied even the resurrection, who had to say that he, he did live. He rose from, the, rose from the grave. I'm excited about those things. There's a foundation. And if you feel kind of unstable in that foundation, man, that's, that's where you study the word and, and, and pursue it. And, and it, whatever questions you have or whatever questions are thorn, thrown towards you, Man, establish it. Ask those questions. I believe there's answers to all our questions. I really believe that's true. I know there's some questions that are presented even today. I'm going, okay, let me get back with you. And that's okay. That's okay. It doesn't shake my foundation that I'm a, I've established according to his word and according to the fact that Jesus came and gave us his life uh, by dying on the cross. We need to be ready and prepared, established foundation to stand upon. Finally, we have that one more group, that red group, probably easier to see within the scriptures. There are those who are just going to reject the message of Jesus as they did for Paul. There, the Jews became, uh, it basically says they were envious and jealous. Could you imagine having a synagogue and things are going splendidly? We have, we have our Jews here, we have proselytes and we have those who are considering they're they're working their way and you come 
and, and read the scripture and then tell us that there is a savior that, that in Jesus, that he, he is that Messiah, that, that that's been fulfilled. Well, that ruins everything. Uh, matter of fact, uh, they, they were pulling converts uh, out of Judaism into that wonderful story of grace. Not, not according to the law, but now according to God's grace that they're saved. And so, yeah, the Jews were upset. As a matter of fact, they wanted to, to stop the message completely. That's why you see them leaving Thessalonica and, and following Paul to Berea because they heard they're there and they caused trouble in Berea as well. One, one thing that was said, one accusation that was laid out, which, which in, in, you know, throughout my life I've heard different places where, hey, this is something positive, but this is an accusation. Uh, it, it's there in, oh, excuse me, I, I turned my page, now I've got to find it again. Uh, it, it's that phrase that says, the phrase that says, these men have turned the world upside down and they've come here also. That idea of, of these apostles are turning the world upside down. We use that as a positive, it, it, and I believe that's exactly what Jesus did when he came. He turned the world upside down in providing a means that, that's going to cover over our condemnation of sinfulness. It's going to free us from the condemnation of sin. That is world turning, okay? But it, it is an accusation that's being laid against them. What's the accusation? Well, they are claiming that they are promoting an insurrection. You know, hey... This Jesus is the true king. And, and so this Jesus who is now raised and is established upon a throne eternally is no threat to any government. It's not a threat to any authority and, and government on this world. It's not going to unseat anybody and Jesus is going to set upon that government. But that's the accusation that was laid against him. And even got the government officials riled up and, and of course... It caused trouble time and time again, and it was not true. It was not true. What do you do with those who reject the message? What do you do with it? When you're identifying, you ask those questions, you find out, oh, man, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, you could just keep that to yourself. What do you do with someone like that? Well, there's not much you can do. Don't... don't uh, don't exert all your efforts. Don't, basically, what do you do except causing them to get more irritated and more frustrated with you? I do believe that there's an action to be respectful to those people is, is, is first. Be gentle with them, as it said at the end of 1 Peter 3.15, and also to pray that God softens their heart. I don't know, there's, there's, there's family members uh, that, that are amongst us here, your family members that don't want to hear it, right? Are there some, I, I know, I, I hear some of the prayers. There are family members that uh, they'll, they'll kind of mock you or, you know, say those sly things here and there. They don't want to hear it. And the best thing to do is, is not to continue throwing it in their direction or not create arguments or things like that. Continue to live for Jesus and pray that God softens their hearts. I believe God's working upon people's hearts. I really do. Even in this day and age where things are getting ugly, absolutely. Absolutely. 
I have a guy in here this morning that said he would say, I hated Christians. I hated the church. Now he is the church. <laughs> and he's a Christian. He's a believer. And God got his attention. With his story, someday he'll tell it. I'm going to have him tell it when he's ready and able. He's, he, I want him to share his story because God got his attention. He came here and, and, and man, has has dove in and still learning and growing and I'm excited about that but God worked on his heart God changed his heart we're not doing this alone it's not like we have to come into some great debate with people so we could prove that I'm right and you're wrong <laughs> that's not who we are I just I just want to tell you who Jesus is I want to tell you the simple story that God sent Jesus to die for me because I deserve to, to receive his condemnation. I deserve to receive his death, his, his judgment. But because of Jesus, I don't have to face that. Everyone needs to hear. Everyone, whether they're red, yellow, or green, <laughs> everyone needs the opportunity to receive Jesus. Red again. Red, red are those who will reject the message of Jesus. Yellow, that's those who are interested in spiritual things and will have a conversation and, and ask questions and engage you and, and, and continue a conversation uh, until they make that decision either for Jesus or to reject Jesus. And then green, of course, are those who receive the message and believe in Christ. Again, man, I, I very much appreciate the fact that we've had three weeks and those of you who who took up the uh, call to fast in some way, and you had that opportunity to give your attention better to God, I encourage you to continue on. You know, I, I said something last week. I said, after Saturday, we're going to end this prayer and something like that. So someone came up and teased me. So, oh, you don't want us to pray anymore. No. <laughs> oh, man, continue in prayer and continue to pursue God. Oh, man. Uh, if we give him his attention, man, we're going to draw closer to him. He's going to give us direction. He's going to give us that, that purpose. He, he's going to enable. He's going to provide, man, because our God is, is good. Our God is good. He hasn't just given us a task. He's going to supply us all we need to, to complete that task. Oh, man, I want to be about that. I want to be about uh, spreading that gospel message. We're going to pray. We're going to pray right now and lead into those, the thinking of how we can engage other people with this gospel message. Father in heaven, we praise you for your word always. Lord, it is exciting to watch Paul walk into these cities. None who know Jesus walk into synagogues and begin to just open the scriptures and reveal Jesus who was talked about hundreds of years before he even spoke. And, and identify that it was through, uh, through those scriptures that, that Jesus came into this world to be that Passover lamb, that, that sacrificial lamb that, whose, whose blood that, that was spilt for us covers us and brings us back, uh, brings us to that place of forgiveness and a right relationship with you. We praise you, Lord, for Jesus. We praise you. Father, for the message that we have. Father, we pray that you prepare us. Uh, Lord, throughout this week, I just pray that we might have that opportunity to identify, you know, who is it we could talk to? Who is it that uh, uh, doesn't want to hear?
Father, with those who want to talk, Lord, help us to just have that simple conversation. Uh, help us to, to, to pose questions and, and to answer questions, Lord. And in the meantime, Father, every day help us to live faithful to you, faithful and, and loving and continuing to pursue you. You are good to us, and we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.